0: Prepare yourself for Earthling Entertainment with your hosts, Joe and Ryan. Hey, and welcome to another episode of Earthling Entertainment with Joe and Ryan. I'm Joe. I'm Ryan. Hey, how's it going? What's going on, guys? All right, so, uh, yeah, 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 it's a good day. Tuesday, it feels like a brand new era, even though it's, uh, you know, I don't know. Everything's different. It's a day earlier, Ryan.
1: Yeah, it is a day earlier, but uh, this is uh, this is gonna be the new thing, and uh, I'm here, and uh, I'm ready. <laughs> oh, good. And good. Uh, that is at got, least
0: half the equation. We've got a good show. We do have a good show. Uh, so, guys, we talked about it, Ryan and I, and moving forward, we will not be reviewing Chucky anymore at the end of the episode. Uh, so, nothing against Chucky the show. Simply put, the show comes out on Wednesday. So we were playing catch up because every time we did a review, it was literally the longest amount of time that could possibly be out before the next episode. So episode two would come out and you would just hear our episode one review. It just seems silly.
1: Yeah. 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 It just didn't work out for what we're doing right now. But that being said, love the
0: show. Yeah. Good show. If you are into, you know, Child's Play or the Mythos or Killer Dolls. Great. Good stuff. Uh, So, yeah. And,
1: And of course, Jennifer Tilly.
0: And Jennifer Taylor. Wow. (laughs) Just saying. Well, fair enough. So yeah, uh, today is our first Tuesday. We are Tuesdays moving forward, which means the next three weeks in October, we land on Halloween. Three weeks, you know, of Halloween episodes, essentially. So this episode is going to be geared more towards the Halloween spirit. Enjoy. Yes, I will. Excellent. So as normal, we have our spooky stuff. Followed by uh, a couple tales of Halloween history, which, you know, are are basically more like little tidbits and funny little things and some horrific ones. Or some timbitsy. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. And then uh, after that, we are not doing a sequel game. In, in In celebration of Halloween, we are going to do a game, which is, uh, we don't really have a name for it, but basically House of a Thousand Corpses is a great film from early 2000s that Rob Zombie made, and it is a Halloween film. So I'm going to quiz Ryan on that film. Next week, I will be quizzing Ryan on Hocus Pocus, and then on Halloween, we are, haven't decided yet, but it'll be also, obviously, a very Halloween-centric Uh, Test or quiz or game if you will tootie fucking fruity (laughs) what tootie fucking fruity oh man I I remember see see that's it that's what makes you know he's going to do good in the game is uh, it took me that long to realize that was a reference to House of a Thousand Corpses tiny fuck the stump (laughs) there you go alright so let's start the show with uh, our spooky stuff spooky stuff
1: the wendigo most of this information we've gathered from mythology.net in the depths of the forest the wind begins to rush against the fragile tree branches a shrieking howl can be heard it starts as a bone-chilling moan and continues to rise in both power and terror until it climaxes in blood-curdling horror A sense of dread consumes you as you realize you are not alone in these woods. But it is too late. The Wendigo has found you. The Wendigo is a product of Native American folklore and is a beast that is feared by all. This terrifying creature was known to have its biggest impact during the colder months.
0: Yeah, makes sense.
1: It is winter, famine, gluttony, and cannibalism incarnate it is based in and around the east coast forests of canada the great plains regions of the united states and the great lakes regions of the united states and canada
0: so yeah uh i'm pretty sure that means michigan man we we, we might run into a Windigo at some point you want to go camping in the winter
1: I have gone camping multiple times in the winter. I haven't haven't ran into one yet, thank God.
0: Well, yeah, I assume you'd be dead. I mean, that's kind of the whole point.
1: Right, you'd be dead. Yeah, yeah. (laughs) It is often said to be a malevolent spirit, sometimes depicted as a creature with human-like characteristics. It has long limbs and is extremely thin, almost emaciated, due to its extreme hunger. Most of these creatures are said to be without hair, likely due to their extreme malnutrition. They got the mange. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, there's, there's an ugly windigo there. <laughs> the
0: ugly windigo. Give him it. some lotion. At
1: that, there's <laughs> there a windigo. <laughs> a windigo.
0: A windigo. <laughs> I like that. It's, good. Yeah. it's
1: said to have hands that are withered and bony. At the end of a windigo's fingers, there are sharp claws that are sharp enough to tear a person apart with a single touch.
0: Only nine ninety-five. dollars <laughs> 95 Oh, what Billy a, Mays! What a,
1: <laughs> but wait, there's more. Its mouth is filled with needle-like teeth that are stained in a disgusting shade of yellow. They are powerful enough to tear through flesh and break apart bones without difficulty. The stench of a wendigo's breath is overwhelming and filled with death and corruption. Their tongues are said to be a terrible blue. I, they're,
0: they're very sad.
1: I, I don't know what that crayon color looks like. Blue. Terrible blue.
0: Terrible blue.
1: The mouth of the creature is always covered in blood. And tales claim that the lips of the creature's mouth are missing. It is said that the Windigo eats its own lips because of its extreme hunger.
0: <laughs> <laughs> That's rough. That's, that is not something you want to see.
1: Although a Wendigo is able to exist in this physical form, it is actually a spirit. Like many spirits, the Wendigo has the ability to become invisible, fly, become undetectable. It is said to invoke feelings of insatiable greed and hunger, the desire to cannibalize other humans, and the propensity to commit murder in those that fall under its influence. Mm,
0: num, 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 human.
1: The Wendigo is also said to have power over winter storms and weather events. Because of this, the creature is often associated with the harsh winters of the north. It is said that the oh, angry Wendigo can cause the sky to darken and extreme weather such as harsh winter winds, tornadoes, and blizzards. These conditions give it ideal hunting grounds and plentiful victims, both to satisfy its hunger and need to share its twisted desires.
0: Which is actually like a perfect horror scenario, right? Because you're cut off, it's the winter, there's lack of supplies, it's cold, so you're trapped, you feel isolated. So... You know whether this is a real thing or not, which you know, you know. I'm just saying, uh, it makes sense, right? It plays on all those fears of isolation and being alone, and you know, since it's cannibalism, obviously, you know, your your lack of supplies, which was a much bigger deal in history. You know, it's not like they had fridges, but it was cold. They could just put everything outside, but then there's animals. Oh my God, we would die. We yeah. would die back then. i totally would believe that
1: the the the, and this is native american folklore this shit is fucking dark
0: fair yeah yeah it is it's uh it's a it's a rough go about it you know um and
1: it's old like it's you know that's what i like about these stories is how old this this legend this this, creature yeah this creature is
0: We know, if you want to explore more about the Wendigo, the Until Dawn, uh, spoiler, but that game came out in 2015, but Until Dawn is a horror video game, and it turns out that the Wendigo is a big part of the narrative. It's pretty good, pretty good. But anyways, we should probably get back to it. I just wanted to pause because this next bit is very interesting, and I wanted to have kind of like a little buffer between it and this.
1: Among other powers of the Wendigo, it is thought that the creature is able to cause an illness called Wendigo Fever. This disease is thought to be one of the ways the Wendigo is able to obtain victims to eat. It is said to start with a strange and disturbing smell. The only one who can detect the foul smell is the infected person. When the victim falls asleep, they will be plagued with terrible nightmares that will cause them to wake up and weep from fear. When they wake, they will begin to feel a terrible burning sensation in their legs and feet which causes them to run from their home shrieking. All of the victims will inevitably run into the woods, shedding their clothing as they go. These victims are never seen again and are assumed to have been eaten by the Wendigo.
0: Yeah, right? So it's like that whole section I thought was awesome we're going streaking. But <laughs> well, you know what it reminded me of is uh, those the Russian hikers that were in the middle of the tundra on the mountain when they just were found like mutilated but they had run out of their tents and oh, we covered it a few was a little say, bit ago, right? That was
1: one of the first episodes, I think.
0: Exactly. Well, uh, I wish I knew exactly what that one was called but it's a very famous case if you look it up. But like that's what that sounded like. That sounded like Windigo Fever to me.
1: It, it kind of did. Right? Now that you're mentioned oh that's interesting what it might have been so we don't even know what if the windigo have just like yeah they've migrated so now they're now they're in russia
0: ancient history the windigo used the land bridge of alaska leading to russia and that is how the windigo is in siberia at this time i'm george (laughs) Decay. walk to asia yeah i like it let's do that oh god (laughs) That was a great movie. Chris yes, it was. Yes, Chris Farley Chris, film.
1: Rest in peace, Chris Farley. Yeah, yeah.
0: One of the most
1: terrifying aspects of a Wendigo is its inability to be satisfied. A Wendigo is always hungry and can never be filled. It takes pleasure in the hunt for prey and the act of killing. But even after devouring the entirety of a human being, its hunger is not quenched. The Wendigo is a demon. But other wendigos can be created from humans who have been corrupted with greed and the hunger for human flesh. These victims are often transformed into wendigos themselves, often from the touch or possession of the beast, but only after they give in to their car- carnivorous desires.
0: Touch me. Touch me, Wendigo. <laughs> I want to be one of you. <laughs> Wake me up before you,
1: Wendigo.
0: Go. Da-da-da-da.
1: Conventional medicine has a name for those believed that they have been possessed. Windigo psychosis is a term given to people who experience some sort of psychological break that causes them to crave human flesh even though they have access to other food supplies. After first tasting human flesh, victims of Windigo psychosis are unable to eat any other food than that. They see themselves as an invincible man-eating monster that can't be satisfied by anything but eating other people. This illness was thought to occur when a person had been exposed to the malevolent spirit of the Windigo, and was feared more than death itself. In fact, it was considered to be better to kill oneself than to succumb to cannibalistic desires and risk of becoming a Windigo. Those who choose to seek treatment were often fed large quantities of hot fat and grease, in the hopes that these proteins would satisfy the victim's cravings. If the cravings couldn't be satisfied, the perceived Wendigos were executed.
0: Yeah, so it's uh, if you're going to a mental hospital to be cured of this, you better hope you get fucking cured, I guess. Yep. Nope. I, I don't want to eat people no more. You can let me go. <laughs> yeah, right? Like, no, dude, I'm, I'm fine. I'm fine. You know what's good? Chicken. I'll mm-hmm. eat... I'll, I'm chicken. You know? I'm, a, I'm a chicken man now.
1: Mhm I feel like chicken tonight and takes like a slight little bite out of the person at the uh, on the way out the door. Just okay. a little I'm, bit, just for just a, taste.
0: Taste. Just a taste, just a taste, just a taste. Just 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 a talk.
1: And don't mind my antlers. <laughs> on the other hand, if these individuals have been turned into the mythical demon known as the Wendigo, then they will continue to exist as one until the spirit is exorcised or they are killed. However, as Wendigos have incredible strength, and are able to move with extreme power, it is highly unlikely that a Windigo could be killed. The Windigo is extremely selective with those that it chooses to possess. Most often, the creature will only possess people who are starving or gluttonous, or who have a craving for human flesh before, or who are greedy and have tendencies to display their wealth openly. That explains Kanye West. <laughs> Anyone who becomes possessed with a Windigo spirit will become a Wendigo themselves, as the legend goes. Dun-dun-dun! How did that make me a gay Wendigo?
0: <laughs> <It's> South Park <laughs> reference, if anyone's wondering.
1: <laughs> it's a ruthless and savage predator. It has heightened senses that allow it to tune into every inch of its hunting grounds, which often extend for many miles on end. Fact! Wendigos are very intelligent compared to other similar beasts and demons, They are hypersensitive and able to stay attuned to every inch of their territory. Its sense of sight, smell, and hearing are so impressive that it is able to track prey and know the exact movements of its target, even if it
0: is many miles away. Yeah, well, I mean, if that's if it's in beast form, right? Because if it's in spirit form, it can just float around and disappear and teleport and do anything it freaking wants anyway. And fly. And it is shit, the most yeah. horrifying thing I've ever heard.
1: Yeah, that's why I'm saying. Like, Jesus Christ, man. This thing could do anything. You
0: know, it doesn't really cover the fact is, like, when it, if it goes into, like, a, uh, let's say, a physical form, does can it just go back and forth as much as it wants, you know? Or is there is there a rule there? Is there, like, I don't know. Continue. I'm just, I'm wondering because it's, like, You know, what do you got to be more worried about? A Wendigo spirit floating around and possessing you? Or an actual Wendigo demon in physical form that's going to just rip you apart because num 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 num, you're delicious.
1: How do you final final girl this shit, right? Like, how do you do it?
0: (laughs) I don't know, Ryan! I don't know!
1: (laughs) It enjoys taking its time before a kill. It will often stalk its prey for hours on end and will reveal its presence in small ways every so often in order to make its prey fearful. Because it's a dick. Yeah, That is a dick move. A person who is being stalked by a Wendigo will often feel a growing sense of dread that they are being watched or followed. The Wendigo is able to sense their fear and paranoia grow with each heartbeat the terror of their victims is perhaps the only form of joy a windigo feels well, that's pretty evil it is said that the final warning a windigo will give before striking is to unleash a blood curdling howl in the harsh winter winds the warning does little to help the victims by the time they hear it it is already too late There is little that can be done to hide from a windigo. In fact, many believe that hiding from a windigo is impossible. It is said that once the creature captures the scent of its prey, it will always know where that person travels, no matter how far they go.
0: Which is why I was saying, if you encountered one on your camping trip, you would mo- you'd you'd be dead. You'd just be dead.
1: So it's like, yeah, they put like what an Apple AirPod on it on you, like they <laughs> like the window windigo's got his own kind of tracking system. He's
0: like. Me, 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 me. Me, 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 Is the terrain. tracking
1: beacon secure? Taking a, we're taking a great risk,
0: Vader. <laughs> sorry, sorry, Star Wars. Yeah, it, um, it always finds its way in. It's found its way. Continue.
1: <laughs> I find your lack of Windigo disturbing. <laughs> I'm sorry. I didn't had nothing there. Okay, here we are. I've lost my place. Your home will not keep you safe. From the reach of the Windigo, there are many stories that document Windigos who have managed to unlock a home from the outside and slaughter everyone inside in these cases just for funsies here's Windigo. the Windigo usually proceeds to convert the home into its lair and will hibernate for months or even years until it is awakened by hunger and driven to eat more human
0: flesh once again, if you are interested in the Wendigo, there is a film called Antlers, and it, uh, it examines that, the whole uh, Wendigo following someone home and kind of turning it into their lair. It's a, it's a very good film, and uh, that's it. I just, I just like it. It's about the Wendigo. It's called Antlers. Check it out. It came out like a year ago.
1: A hmm. uh, lesser-known aspect of the Wendigo legend is that with every victim these new monsters desire devour... They grow proportionately in size. It is said that they have the ability to grow to a size that is unfathomable by the human mind and that the sight of a Wendigo, who has devoured many souls, is enough to make the human heart freeze in terror. Although a Wendigo is a fearsome opponent, they are not impossible to defeat. It is said that there are several measures that can be taken to protect oneself against a Wendigo. According to the legend, Wendigos will do everything in their power to avoid fire. They can be burned by it, but their wounds will heal quick quickly. It can be dissuaded with objects that have been charmed with pr- protective spells.
0: Yeah. Yeah. That makes sense. Most, most evil things can, right?
1: Yeah. Like a, a that's tr- the whole,
0: that's the whole cross aspect of like vampires, you know?
1: Yeah. A trinket. Yeah. Finally, it is said that silver is the only type of weapon that can seriously hurt a windigo it can be killed with a weapon made of pure silver if it is driven through the creature's heart of ice. Once this has been done, the shards of the creature's heart must be placed in a silver box and buried in a consecrate, consecrated ground. Next, the body must be dismembered with a silver weapon, slated and cremated. The ashes must be scattered to the four winds. Failure to properly follow this procedure will result in the resurrection of the creature and a bloody vengeance.
0: Okay, so that's the only part of this that makes me think there might be something to, to it, right? Because that was very specific. They're like, no, no, no. This is how you get rid of it, guys. If you don't do this, uh, I don't know. And this has to be
1: an old-ass story. because It's like, how... How long did it take until they came up with that? And they're like, it worked? It's yeah, has
0: yeah. it- It's gone? Because you'd have to try huh. a lot of things It's like, before- man, did you, did you write that down? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> did, you, did you write down what we did? You got that? Holy right. crap, guys. We've been trying to figure this out for years. Write it,
1: write it down in the cave. So it, another thing that kind of gets me is... So this is Native American yeah. uh, folklore. And yeah, yep, silver yep. destroys it. Now, I want it, it kind of makes me wonder... Where did like werewolves and you know come from you know and stuff? Because silver is that's how you kill a werewolf, they say.
0: Well, silver has always been considered like a pure metal that will like vanquish evil, and we could I mean we'll look it up, but I don't know offhand, man. But you're right.
1: Makes you wonder, like, because if it's like different, like if werewolves are were started somewhere else, and so it's just like it's it's kind of coincidental. Yeah, ask me.
0: I actually I mean I assume Europe somewhere, but I actually don't know where the mythology of werewolves actually started from. Because it could be many different places. Because the idea of a half human, half-animal creature, especially a wolf, which was a predator who preyed upon a lot of people in history, it just feels like that's like you know, it's kind of like the telephone was Alexander Graham Bell, but then someone else patented a different version of the telephone, like within the exact same like week or month or something like that. It happens, right? So, was the werewolf did it originate somewhere? Or was there just many different cultures going like, yeah, wolf people?
1: Well, and now we we know, of course, we have all the proof that uh, it was extraterrestrials who were making uh, human alien uh, animal hybrids. We've seen it all the time. You know, we see it in uh, Egyptian. You know, with like the half bird. Yeah, I always half... love
0: I always loved that theory, right? That's I, why I all the, the... pictures have like the uh, the cross the crossbreeds. Right, somewhere it, there's a turtle man in space. Well,
1: and we're all, in my opinion, the product of accelerated evolution by extraterrestrials. That's my opinion.
0: Uh yeah. I mean, that is definitely a common theory. I wouldn't say that. I wouldn't. I wouldn't throw it off the table. You know, so. because uh, basically that's the whole missing link thing, right? Like there was monkey people and then suddenly there was an evolutionary jump and we have humans and a lot of uh, religions stand behind like, okay, that's why evolution isn't real. And it's creation, creationism, excuse me. I might actually have that pronunciation wrong. Yeah. Anyways, the point is, uh, yeah. So a lot of people are like, all right, aliens showed up, put their DNA with monkey people. Boom, us. That's why there's no missing link.
1: We do. We share 98% of our DNA with chimpanzees. That's, that's so mind boggling to me that it's just like, but, and there's still chimpanzees.
0: Yeah. Yeah. Like, so like what, what branched off to where our chimpanzee people developed and changed so much so quickly. Aliens. Aliens. But to be fair, we also have a lot to do with a like genetically, we have a lot to do with a pig too. So,
1: you know. Yeah, and so let me get back to the Wendigo. So what if, you know... Oh, <laughs> <All> right. <laughs> so what if the Wendigo was an example of a, a animal-human hybrid, some kind of cre- either creation by nature or by extraterrestrials or whatever that just went wrong? And, I mean, the sight of, like, some crazy, lanky dude with freaking antlers and shit would scare the fuck out of you. So, you they you know, telephone game happens and all these... Oh, it it can do all these things. It can fly. What if it's just some poor wretch? You know? (laughs) I don't
0: know, man. It's like, uh, because it's like, if you want to say it's some kind of uh, animal hybrid, then there, there are a lot of pictures where it has elongated skull as a head and it has antlers. So it's like, I can see some animal stuff. But then a lot of these characteristics are just so out there and different and it taking spirit form and stuff like that. To me, that's more supernatural than like living creature. But wouldn't it be awesome? If they were just like, I don't know, they just, they could teleport. Like why, why would a physical creature, if they were a hybrid, like you're saying, why, how would you account for the supernatural aspect? Is that part just superstition? Yep. 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 So anyways, man, Wendigos, bro. (laughs) All
1: right. Moving on. Tales from Halloween history. Tales
0: of Halloween history.
1: Carving jack-o'-lanterns. The tradition of carving jack-o'-lanterns originated in Ireland using turnips instead of pumpkins. It is allegedly based on a legend about a man named Stingy Jack, I like that name, Stingy Jack, who repeatedly trapped the devil and only let him go on the condition that Jack would never go to hell. But when Jack died, he learned that heaven did not want his soul either. (laughs) So he... <laughs> oh man that's a tough break.
0: <laughs>
1: so he was forced to wander the earth as a ghost for eternity. The devil gave Jack a burning lump of coal and a carved-out turnip to light his way. Locals eventually began carving scary faces into their own turnips to frighten away evil spirits and to tell Jack to bugger off. Like, dude, that sucks.
0: Yeah, but you know what? There you go. Like, you want to know where jack-o'-lanterns came from? That's some freaking history, man. That is a Tales from Halloween history. I like Stingy Jack. I
1: will not forget that (laughs) name now. Stingy Jack. Stingy (laughs) Jack-o'-lantern.
0: Oh, you sons of bitches.
1: (laughs) All right, we got a pretty uh, dark one here.
0: All right, the next one, number two in Tales of Halloween History.
1: The suicide mistaken for a Halloween decoration. The apparent suicide of a woman found hanging from a tree went unreported for hours because passersby thought the body was a Halloween decoration, authorities said. The 42-year-old woman used rope to hang herself across the street from some homes on a moderately busy road late Tuesday or early Wednesday, state police said. The body suspended about 15 feet above the ground could be seen from passerby vehicles. State police spokesman, uh, Jeff Oldham said, neighbors said people noticed the body at breakfast time Wednesday, but dismissed it as a holiday prank. Authorities were called to the scene more than three hours later. They thought it was a Halloween decoration, Uh, wife of the mayor, uh, William Glandon, told the Wilmington News Journal. It looked like something somebody would have rigged up, she said.
0: So, yeah, that's pretty dark.
1: That's pretty, I messed up. But it makes
0: sense, though, dude, if you're going to hang yourself around Halloween, especially in an area where there's a bunch of decorations, did you not think, like, you planned that, right? I was
1: going to say she planned that. She's like, all oh, these people are going to look at me for days and I feel so bad. Dude, think about that. That is, that's pretty, that's pretty crazy. Yeah, it's like, cause she, she knew what she was doing and she was probably hoping that, yeah, a lot of people would see her and then, you know, obviously it would hit the news later that it was, it was a real body. And it's like, that would seriously affect, that's, that's a huge, huge message.
0: See, Jeff, you're oh going to wish God. that you didn't dump me now.
1: Oh my God, that's so <laughs> fucked up.
0: That is, I mean, I don't know though, because at the end of the day, pharaohs built monuments to be remembered. P artists make art, you know, to be remembered. This woman, all she had to do was hang herself at the right time. And you know what? Almost 20 years later, we're talking about it. We never met this person, but we, we remember. So ultimately, this woman's very selfish and horrible choice was the only truly way anyone would possibly ever remember her otherwise dun 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 yeah very dark but that being said i'm sure her family does and no disrespect intended
1: yeah sorry for <laughs> them but holy shit what a what i like I, how I,
0: speechless you were like i was getting so dark and you're just like i don't think i'm gonna touch this one <laughs> like, that's not
1: i'm just like what a legend <laughs> fucking legend legend i'm just saying if you're gonna go man that that is one way to put it on blast
0: yeah i mean we don't support suicide to be clear in any way shape or form but i will say if you're 90 in your 90s and you know you don't have that much time left just do me a favor jump out of a plane naked while on crack and having bird wings surgically grafted to your shoulder blades because it just seems like why not Why not? At least once, I want to see someone on the news be like, a fallen angel? Question mark.
1: That would fuck with people. Right? That would fuck with people. Yeah. That would get you out there.
0: That would throw people. It would be amazing.
1: Like, you know how some people, when they shoot a basket, they go, Kobe, this lady, she was like, Cobain. Oh. Too soon?
0: Not at all. But Come on, that
1: was a nineties thing. That was. It was <laughs> sorry, I just I think that almost I think that sometimes when I have to do shit that
0: I don't like, I'm just like Cobain. Oh <laughs> Jesus! All right, well, so how about we how do we go to the next tale of Halloween history, which is much lighter?
1: Bobbing for apples. <laughs> the game of bobbing for apples has been a staple at Halloween parties for many years, but its origins are more rooted in love and romance. The game traces back to a courting ritual that was part of a Roman festival honoring Pomona, the goddess of agriculture and abundance. While multiple versions existed, the gist was that young men and women would be able to predict their future relationships based on the game. When the Romans conquered the British Isles in 43 AD, the Pomona Festival Blended with the similarly timed Samhain, a precursor to Halloween.
0: Yeah, yeah. So I mean, that's I don't really have much to say. That's just interesting.
1: Actually, I I kind of I I want to say I've seen this like in movies depicted like at like fancy balls and stuff like that, like really old like big fancy things. So people I could bobbing s- for apples. People bobbing for apples. Right. I'll bet. Like yeah. Like masquerades. And shit, so I'll bet you, yeah, so I'd never thought about it, so it's like, I wonder how they determine relationships based on that, I don't understand.
0: I don't know, maybe it has to do with the apple colors, maybe it has to do with, like, they match teeth, like, ah, this apple has Virginia's bite, and I bit it, so me and Virginia, we are destined to do it.
1: Is it like the rubber ducky
0: game at, like, carnivals, <laughs> where they, like, number? put, like, a number on the bottom? Maybe. <laughs> like, maybe? I mean, I don't know, I guess we could look more into it, I've... Uh, Ultimately, I don't care that much, though. I don't either. (laughs) Okay. (laughs) (laughs) Moving on.
1: Number four, bats. Bats were likely present at the earliest proto-Halloween celebrations, not just symbolically, but literally. As part of Samhain, Celts lit large bonfires which attracted insects, which in turn attracted bats. Soon, spotting bats became connected with the festival. Medieval folklore expanded upon the eeriness of bats with a number of superstitions built around the belief that bats were the harbingers of death.
0: Oh, yeah. That makes sense.
1: Oh, by the way, that dude's the harbinger of death.
0: Stupid. That little guy. You know... (laughs) I mean, okay, see, all that is a very logical take on it, right? You know, bonfire equals bugs equals bats. And I totally buy it. I absolutely buy it. But the question is, uh, so when we think a spooky Samhain... You know festivals and there's bats. That's why at some point in the early nineteen hundreds, they're like, "Hey, Halloween, let's put bat decorations up." Okay, I guess. Yeah, okay, that all tracks. All right, fair enough.
1: And it makes sense because yeah, bugs attract bats. But yeah, the thing that scares me most about bats is rabies. That's terrifying to I mean, me.
0: That is, uh, I mean, fair enough. But rabies, uh, I feel like. We got it pretty licked, don't we? Like, if you get rabies, don't you just go to the doctor and get a bunch of shots? Like, it sucks. It scary. sucks.
1: Like, I hear it's like horrible, like rounds of sh- rounds and rounds of shots and
0: stuff I mean, like that. I remember back in the day hearing like you got to find the infected animal or something. I don't know if that's still true. And I know that yeah, if
1: you don't get help, you're dead. Like that is a for sh- you cannot survive rabies. And once you get to a certain point, there's no going back. Yeah. Fair enough. I would run away. Dude, uh, no joke. I'm terrified of bats because I'm terrified of rabies. I would run away screaming from a bat.
0: (laughs) All right. Well, Ryan, I'm sorry you're afraid of bats, but hopefully you're not also afraid of the game this week. The Halloween Movie Trivia Game.
1: I'm excited! One of my favorite Halloween movies, House of Thousand Corpses. Yes,
0: like Ryan said, this is a quiz on the film The House of a Thousand Corpses. And uh, so it's Rob Zombie's movie. It's actually Rob Zombie's first movie. This is kind of a a cult classic. Takes a lot of inspiration from A Texas Chainsaw Massacre 2 and actors as well. And it's just, it's a whole lot of fun. So if you haven't seen it yet... Well, you're going to get some out-of-context information right now. Also, go see it. It's, it's really good. It's a lot of fun. It's a, it's a quickie, too. It's only an hour and a half, very digestible. It's got some effed-up scenes, but by today's standard with Saw and everything else, it's really not that over-the-top. You, you'll be fine if you're into halfway decent scary movies. It's arguably his best film. You know it's funny? He doesn't like it. That's funny. Yeah, he's, he's, he's uh, said in like 2014, he was just like, you know, all I see is mistakes and mistakes and mistakes, which makes sense. Cause every film I've made, I feel the same way. You know what I mean? It's just well, it's an artist. Was,
1: yeah. And Rob was at the helm of it. So it's like, you know, any, he, and he fought so hard to get it out there.
0: Well, you know what's funny is there is a lot of footage that in the film it cuts to, and it's like, uh, so there's a character named Otis who's torturing some cheerleaders, and there is a character named Baby who's basically, for lack of a better description, masturbating with a skeleton. And a few other things like that, like the whole opening credits, all of that, everything I just talked about, was filmed in Rob Zombie's basement. By him with a 16mm camera. And it was done after principal photography. Just so he could add like that little bit of flavor. The little bit of music video, if you will. To this horror classic.
1: And and, uh, and there are random scenes where there are like random desolate hallways or whatever that he walks down. That was on tour. He brought his camera with him and he would just do like filler footage at, at different venues he was at.
0: Yeah, it's a very stylistic film that like in between scenes we have quick montages of this this stuff we're we're describing here that uh in context really makes sense but obviously you're not going to get a good grasp but you know how we're describing it here.
1: And and I will say I actually do think Devil's rejects the sequel was arguably better than House Thousand Corpses. I just love House Thousand Corpses. This is
0: your favorite film. Yeah. Yes, and then most people felt as though Three from Hell was good, but ultimately unnecessary because so much time had passed. It it
1: felt like a film that they were happy that they You were watching a bunch of people who were happy to make this film. Whether or not it really hit the mark, I I don't I don't I can't really say. I have it I only saw it once.
0: Fair enough. But uh those three films, uh, House of Thousand Corpses, uh, Devil's Rejects, followed by Three from Hell are what's known as the Firefly Trilogy, and it follows the exploits of the Firefly family. And that being said, let's start our game. Woo! So, ten questions. Can Ryan get, uh, we're, we're actually just gonna see what his score is. Ten questions about House of a Thousand Corpses. First ever in our Halloween movie game. Are you ready? I'm ready. <laughs> All right. What is the name of the Firefly family's roadside attraction? And remember, listen to all four before you answer, even if you think you hear the correct answer. So, A Captain Spaulding's Museum of Monsters and Madmen, B Captain Spaulding's Museum of Madmen and Monstrosities, C Spaulding's Mosaic of Murder and Mayhem, or D Dr. Spaulding's Museum of Monsters and Mermen.
1: It was the first one. Monsters and Madmen.
0: That is correct. The answer is Captain Spaulding's Museum of Monsters and Madmen. You did it, man. One I, point. I knew it
1: was that one. I knew it was that and as soon as you said it, I'm like, oh, it's that one. Like, Excellent. I, I yeah, I had no question about it.
0: You know, I'm actually wondering how well you're gonna do because some of these are some of these are pretty tough but like i said just remember to hear all of the uh, all the answers before you answer all right all right question number 2 after bill was killed and turned into a freak show attraction what was the name given to him by otis barracuda bill a b flounder four eyes c fish boy or d mr bass bitch c fish boy that that is also correct. Well done, buddy. Oh uh, dude. Bill, Bill's okay.
1: Been a real blessing.
0: <laughs> so uh yeah, I really liked this one because I I just I could imagine Otis saying, Mr. Bass Bitch, and it made me laugh. So I like that.
1: One. <laughs> I thought that your other answers were excellent, yeah,
0: too. Yeah, like Barracuda, Barracuda <laughs> Bill, come on.
1: I did like that. I like the four <laughs> eyes one too.
0: Alright, excellent. So, question number three. What is the name of the Firefly family's resident comedian? the foul-mouthed old man? A, Jimbo, B, Hugo, C, Bruno, or D, Jeff Moser. Don't mess with me, Hugo. Oh, dang, Yes, that is correct. It is Hugo. That was the one scene where you learn his name. That's true. All you right, didn't notice we're fighting. So Ryan, question number four. Who is the first murderer on the murder ride? Is it A, Ed Gein, B, Lizzie Borden, C, Albert Fish, or D, Charles Manson?
1: I know it's either Fish or Gein. I'm going to go ahead and say it is Fish.
0: That is correct. Yes. Yes. Well I was, accepted. oh man,
1: I was like, because I'm literally playing the whole scene. He's like, oh, so there's sexual organs.
0: <laughs> yeah, with the nails. Yeah. Oh, dude. That, Ew.
1: yeah. The, the, oh, God, the, Actually, Albert Fish is like the worst scum on the earth that ever existed. God, fuck that guy.
0: Google him if you don't know what we're talking about. Uh, so, All right. Yeah. Oh my <laughs> God. It's All right. We're going to get, we're going to get a little harder now. Okay. All right. Number five. What hospital was Mr. Quiola, a.k.a. Dr. Satan, an intern at? A. Pine Willow Psychiatric Hospital. B. Shady Pines Psychiatric Hospital. C. Willows County Mental Hospital. Or D. Weeping Willow's Home for the Mentally Ill. D.
1: Weeping Willow's Home for the Mentally
0: Ill. Eh, damn. Yeah, no, you didn't get that one, but you still, you so far, you had a perfect score. So I'm glad. I, I would have felt kind of like this is a bullcrap situation. <laughs> if you got everyone right, I'd be like, oh, no, crap. I can't remember. What right. was it? It is C, Willows County Mental Hospital. That
1: was my second choice. Yes,
0: yeah, so at the beginning of the movie, uh, the roadside attraction talks about a character named Dr. Satan, who later we found out is integral to the Firefly family. But the point is. He was an intern before going crazy at the Willows County Mental Hospital.
1: Yeah, yeah, doctor Satan,
0: doctor Satan, doctor Satan. Which, by the way, the car- the guy who did that—that that was Chad Hardwick. Dude, he was awesome. Chris Hardwick. Chris Hardwick. Excuse me. I, I
1: I heard that he was he was super ecstatic, like on the set, like everybody was like, "Calm down, dude."
0: Yeah. No, I. You <laughs> know, he, was a, he was a fan. He's a fan. All right. So we're halfway through. Question number six: When the police find Bill's car? What do they discover in the trunk? A, a dead girl. B, body organs. C, baby doll heads. Or D, Mary's head. A dead girl. That is correct. All
1: right. And I believe they carved trick or treat into her as
0: well. And yes, they did. They did carve trick or treat in her.
1: And, and uh, I, I don't want to, uh, unless there's like I'm gonna, I'm yeah. gonna, I'm gonna, yeah. Go, go, go. Alright, alright. <laughs> I, I was gonna say some more shit about the movie, but I'm yeah, like, yeah, you, know, you might ask.
0: Alright, so number seven. Who said the boogeyman is real and you found him? A grandpa. B, which, you know, what was it? Hugo. B, Otis. C, Mother or Flyerfly. Or D. Jerry. Otis. Yeah, I kind of gave that to you because I couldn't help but do the accent there. <laughs> Who's your daddy? All right. That scene, he's wearing his face. Yeah, he's super creepy in that one. I love it. Because there's nothing that says a homage to Texas Chainsaw Massacre like someone wearing someone's face.
1: hmm They did it good. They did it good.
0: All right. So, number eight. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do this. In the very first scene of the movie, who did Stucky want to trade his autographed nude girl photo to? Was it A. Jeff Moser B Jackie Johns C Jackie Cobb or D Johnny Crib give me give me B and C again B and C are Jackie Johns and C Jackie Cobb I'm gonna say Jackie Cobb that is correct I knew it was one of the two well done buddy all right number nine what person did Captain Spaulding have tattooed on his arm? A. Bruce Lee B. James Dean C. John Wayne or D. Clint Eastwood John Wayne, Pilgrim Oh, that's the Duke for you and also correct
1: That's right, that's right I love me some Captain Spaulding I got to meet him once
0: Oh, yeah, uh, Sid Hayes it's with Sid Hayes, is that his name? Yeah Yeah well, uh, unfortunately, he passed a few years like ago. Hag, but... right? Hag? I know his name's Sid, though, yeah, right? Yeah. All right, anyways, great actor. Uh, final question. Who is in the back seat of the car at the end of the movie? Is it A, Baby, B, Mother Firefly, C, Tiny, or D, Otis? D, Otis. Woo! We'll get you to the doctor. We'll get you to the doctor. So that is absolutely correct, and in our first Halloween movie trivia game, Ryan got 9 out of 10. So, yeah, very impressive. We'll see how he does next week when we cover Hocus Pocus. Now, I haven't decided yet if this is going to be strictly the first film or the first and second, because part of me wants to do just the first film, because it is a classic, but... I feel like there's less chance you're going to have every bit memorized of the second film. So part of me wants to do both. And
1: I have a confession to make. You told me to watch House of Thousand Corpses this week to prepare. I did not. So well, this was all off of pure memory. I haven't seen that movie in a while.
0: Well, I, you know what? We wanted to start the, the last week. You did not do really good at the sequel game. So I wanted to give you a game that, I, I, that you could thrive in. And now that we've done that, we need to find a happy medium, sir. Well, You're either amazing or terrible. All right. Well, then I
1: then next week let's do let's do a bit from the first and the second one. That way, I have to because I don't know. I couldn't even. I watched Hocus Pocus two. I couldn't tell you one thing about it right now. It all right. Me. So uh, to be clear,
0: though, I will do an even amount of questions for both films. So all five right. and five. All right. All right. That's fair. So that's it. Next week, guys, we are doing the Hocus Pocus. Quizzy gamey Halloween spooky blah 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 blah. blah, blah.
1: And, and one last thing I want to say about House Thousand Corpses I remember in 2001 being at uh, the tour called The Night of Merry Mayhem with Mudvayne and Rob Zombie and Ozzy Osbourne. And uh, he was like, They told me I, I shouldn't be showing you guys clips, but fuck them. And he, they proceeded to play the song House Thousand Corpses while showing us tons and tons of
0: clips from the movie Clips from
1: the movie i remember being so excited to go and see this i remember i went to the theater to see it with like my my first band and everything this this movie was huge for me it was a big deal it's yeah so
0: there so the fact that you got nine out of ten is not surprising
1: right yeah this movie is arguably like my like i said it's my favorite rob zombie film i think devil's rejects was better but just this one has all the nostalgia.
0: No, I totally get it. If, if you uh, did a quiz on my favorite movie, which is SLC Punk, by the way, 1998, Matthew Lillard, great film, uh, it's the same thing. I would know all the answers. So I, I totally get it. Well, next week, the Hocus Pocus 1 and 2.
1: Only posers
0: die. <laughs> all right, guys. Well, that is it for our game for this week. So now we are jumping into headlines. Headlines. Earthling Entertainment. Headlines. Actress Suzanne
1: Somers dies at 76. This comes to us from ABC News. Suzanne Somers, the actress best known for her roles in TV comedies, including Three's Company and Step by Step, has died. Her longtime publicist announced Sunday she was 76 years old. Suzanne Somers passed away peacefully at home in the early morning hours of October 15th. Uh, R. Curie Hay said in a statement, She survived an aggressive form of breast cancer for over 23 years. Congratulations there. Man. Suzanne was surrounded by her loving husband, Alan, her son, Bruce, and her immediate family. Her family was gathered to celebrate her 77th birthday on October 16th, the day after she died. Instead, they will celebrate her extraordinary life and want to thank her millions of fans and followers who loved her dearly. A private family burial will take place this week, Hayes said, and a memorial will be held next month. She will be missed.
0: Yeah, you know it's weird because uh, I, I know it, it seems like we would have almost no connection to Suzanne Summers because it was before our time when she was doing Three's Company. Uh, but when I was young, the Step by Step show, I I watched that. It was the family sitcom. Like I'd I'd argue that the Goldbergs and Modern Family and all that is the newer one. But like at the time. That was the family sitcom everybody was listening to.
1: Yeah, I would watch Step by Step, Family Matters,
0: Female Voice.
1: What? Oh Whoa. my God! I what never is... hit that button. We are having a uh, technical difficulties <clears throat> at the moment. There we go. All right, uh,
0: <laughs> Suzanne Summer will be missed. Suzanne Summer will be missed. <laughs> so, headline number two. Number two.
1: Uh, f- uh, definitely a uh, big fan here. I
0: love South Park. Dude. Oh, yeah. Dude, South Park. Since 1997. Dude. I was 11 or 10 or 11 years old, and I... Well, I mean, sh- shit. I remember the first season. I did watch it. So, yeah. That's been a huge part of our lives. Uh, I I
1: I quote it so much. Like, the early shit so much. Like, I quote the... God damn it, Loch Ness Monster. I ain't giving you no damn pre-fitting.
0: <laughs> I ain't giving you no free fitting And, uh, also is, uh... Yeah. No, I'm sorry. I I, I was going to make a, a, a comment that was similar, but they, that was a quote from Family Guy, which is kind of hilarious because Cartman would bitch slap me for that. It's a goddamn succubus. Hold
1: on. I'll see if I got tree fitting. So do you
0: remember quotes <laughs> from South Park or do you just remember Chef's dad?
1: I remember uh, Mr. <laughs> Mr. Derp. Yeah. Derp. That's the same episode.
0: Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> like I quote that. It's ridiculous. Jeff Schneider is... A uh, stapler. A uh, stapler. <laughs> <laughs> All right, so. And he's about
1: to find out. Oh, I'm sorry. Uh, South Park, joining the Panderverse. Which set's, is the name of the new special. Yep, set's premiere date. This comes to us from Collider.com. It's time once again to go on down to South Park for a new exclusive streaming event from Paramount+. Plus. PP. Pee-pee. <laughs> following up on the success of the that I thought that's what they were that was the whole it's a peepee I thought that was them making fun of Paramount Plus it was awesome yeah I picked that. awesome following up on the success of the two part post COVID and the streaming wars specials that's what I was referencing the series is ready to take down the multiverse with South Park joining the Panderverse on October twenty seventh
0: that's a perfect name
1: it, I love it it says everything I already know what to expect. The premiere date comes with a new teaser that sees the boys of the sleepy little mountain town thrown into a story involving AI and nonsensical multiversal variants of themselves. Joining the Pandaverse will see Cartman faced with a premonition of the end of life. He knows and loves in his dreams setting up yet another crisis for the snowy Colorado town as the kids deal with the ramifications The adults are fighting against the rise of AI. Their own decisions come back to haunt them as the surging technology has flipped their world on its head. The story sees the town gathered together to fight this latest threat as the narrator reintroduces fan-favorite characters like Cartman, Stan, Butters, and Kenny. The rub, however, is that the four young boys are now a diverse group of adult women. Something that Kyle... The lone member of the core group who hasn't changed rightly points out doesn't make sense. <laughs> Instead, PC Principal tells him that he's the problem and uh, he just needs to learn to just accept it. That was my. That was the best I could do. I like it. This Thank was a you, good PC Thank Principal. Thank you. Uh, you assume, you assuming my PC Principal, bro? You PC, bro? Woo woo! South Park, <laughs> joining the Pandaverse, <laughs> premieres on Paramount Plus on Friday, October 27th. And in Australia and the UK on October twenty eighth, with other international markets to follow. Wah wah
0: wah! And
1: so the picture here is great.
0: Oh yeah, we got the picture, and it looks like Kenny is a adult Asian woman. He's Sabine. Yes, we see uh, Carmen <laughs> looks like he uh, there is he is a black woman. I think uh, I think an Indian woman is Kyle ultimately. No, but Kyle didn't change, so
1: that's a whole new character.
0: All right, fair enough. And then Stan is
1: uh, Latino. Yeah, yeah. yeah.
0: You know, it looks pretty good. For how basic South Park draws, you, you, you totally can figure out who's who. It's because they have the same hats and coats and color schemes.
1: And that's where I think it's going to be a joke that she's just going to join the team. She's just going to be some random,
0: oh, no, I'll bet that's Butters. Oh.
1: I'll bet that's Butters. Butters so yeah. So Butters looks like a Native American.
0: Yeah, or, or uh, India Indian.
1: Yeah, I'll bet that's Butters. Yeah. Because, yeah. And, yeah, doesn't Kenny look like Sabine?
0: Kenny does look like uh, Sabine from Ahsoka, for sure. Completely. Because it's an adult Asian woman with uh, the right uh, length of hair, and it's purple. So, yeah, I'm with you.
1: I literally see Sabine standing there.
0: Oh, boy. (laughs) Everything is Star Wars with you, Ryan. I can't help it. (laughs) All right, guys. Well, this next story is a little bit of an update. Uh, So, this was originally published in 2015, but the update is this is still a thing. This is still... You could. This is still real. Continue. A,
1: yeah, and there's an updated picture as well. Absolutely. Continue. A Jason Voorhees statue lurks on the bottom of Minnesota Lake. This comes to us from Nerdist News. No matter how much Jason Voorhees has scared us over the years, we can take solace in the fact that he's not real, right? But something tells us that knowledge isn't particularly comforting for scuba divers in Minnesota when they unexpectedly come across his statue at the bottom of a
0: mine pit. <laughs> yeah, that would be horrifying.
1: The, I mean, But hold
0: on, if it's a mine pit, how many scuba divers are there? And why? Because doesn't that mean there's no fish or anything? Because if it's a mine pit, it was just kind of flooded, right?
1: Right, right. No, To me, doing that kind of spelunking or whatever is terrifying enough.
0: Yeah. Well, the, th- well, yeah. Yeah. Okay. Fair <laughs> enough. So Jason's underwater naturally.
1: Naturally, right? Uh, reminding me, of, uh which one was that where he was chained to the bottom?
0: Uh he got chained to the bottom at the end of six, and yes. then jumps out of the water at the beginning of seven.
1: Yes. Yes. He gets electrocuted by the. Yeah, because they pull the electric. The
0: Frankenstein, him getting electrocuted, is the beginning of six.
1: Yep. Yep. Yeah. All right. The, st- uh, the Jason statue is the work of Doug Klein. He built this nightmarish, fantastic piece, complete with machete in hand. Then Klein placed it 120 feet at the bottom of a spot for divers in Crosby, Minnesota. It's specifically in a state-owned mine pit known as Louis.
0: But it, he put it there for a spot for divers. So clearly, it, there is a diving community there for whatever reason.
1: Like I said, yeah, spelunking and shit like that. I see tons of dudes, spelunking dudes like that. Is on... like
0: jumping into caves?
1: Yeah, dude, I see a lot of TikTokers that do this shit, and it just it scares the crap out of me. Like, TikTok,
0: like, I know, I would never watch it.
1: <laughs> but no, I mean, I see <laughs> videos from people who do this kind of content. Who like, yeah, they go diving and they go spawn... Spelunk- they go into caves where like you have to like crawl through on your like f that.
0: Yeah, well, especially underwater, uh, underwater caving. You know, with the you gotta take off your 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 equipment to get through certain areas. I'm good, I'm absolutely good. not. I'll find adventure some other place.
1: And I'm and, uh, one more little side tangent. Then I'm seeing all these news stories about this uh, crew who got sucked into a, like an oil uh, pipe and they were stuck where there was no air and they actually were able to find a couple scuba tanks in the t- and one guy was able to get out. It's a, It's actually just happened. It's a crazy story. Sorry, I just. So scuba of,
0: divers got sucked into an oil pipe?
1: Yes, it was fucked up. Like, it, it just happened. I was seeing a bunch of stories on
0: this yesterday. I mean, okay, so scuba divers got sucked into some kind of machinery, but like an oil pipe, that doesn't make
1: sense. I don't sense. know if they work there. They might have worked there, and, you know, the scuba equipment was just there in case someone did get stuck or okay, whatever. You know what?
0: You're going to have to find that story. I'm going to have to. Give me a link, and we'll talk about it next week. I was
1: going to say, we'll talk about it next week because that was a crazy story. We'll talk about it in uh, headlines
0: all right all right
1: all right uh after a few years underwater the jason statue is starting to show some wear and tear but honestly that just makes him look even more terrifying like he's long overdue for a murder spree <laughs> and yes the jason Voorhees he statue survived the decade that was 2020 Klein's curtis lair shared a video of the statue still very much looking like an absolute nightmare at the mine pit's bottom. And we have a picture here, and yes, he looks great.
0: Oh, yeah. But, you know, it has been a long time uh, since we've seen anything, Jason, and that's because the whole franchise has been wrapped up in rights issues between the original producer and the original screenwriter. I believe the original screenwriter now has the rights, which is why we're getting, I believe, Paramount Plus show called Crystal Lake, which makes sense because Paramount was the first distributor of... Uh, Jason films Friday the 13th films once they switched to Jason Jason X and Jason Goes to Hell I think it was New Line and uh, Friday was Jason I think it was New Line
1: Uh, on a random music note Ice Nine Kills wrote a song about Jason Voorhees which is really dope
0: Really? I'd like to hear that because I love Alice Cooper, but he did a song for like the 6th film and it is not as metal as you'd want it to. Sorry, uh,
1: Ice Nine Kills. Ice Nine Kills. That's what they're called. And uh, I believe That it's is a game.
0: that is a a brave name. An and epic they, name.
1: They've, they've seen a lot of success. They 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 released a uh, a whole album uh, con- uh, about every horror film that they like called uh The Silver Scream. That right.
0: sounds pretty cool. I it, can't lie. I'd like I'm gonna look that up.
1: I'll show it to you. Yeah, it's actually pretty sweet. What kind of heavy?
0: It's it's heavy. Is it metal? Metal? Oh yeah, it's metal. All right. Well, I'm, but he I, sings I, too. I, I do like metal, but I just want to understand the singer.
1: But yeah, the uh, the the Friday Thirteenth song I believe is called "Thank God It's Friday."
0: Thank God it's Friday. Or was it that uh, the chick from YouTube? Friday, Friday. No, no. 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 Drowning all our sins. Drowning <laughs> all the stakes. Cursed by the flood, we pay it by the curse of Crystal Lake. Okay, well that does sound kind of badass. I might. It like was it. pretty sweet. Yeah. All right. All right. I'm gonna like, sorry, guys. I
1: know I can't sing that. That dude's got a higher voice than me. That's all right. uh, So,
0: you know, I love Jason. Seriously, he's my favorite of the slasher guys. Me too. Yeah, so if it comes to Freddy, if it comes to Michael Myers, it comes to Leatherface, for me, it's always Jason. Same. Always has been. And
1: always has. Yeah, you and I have always agreed that out of all the classic dudes, that was the best one.
0: It was, but it's also because I'm enamored by summer camp stories. Like, it's a sleepaway camp. And even like this, you know, Scooby Doo goes to camp or like Ernest goes to camp. Like, I've always loved that. I guess uh, that enclosed environment for storytelling, right? Because you have this finite amount of time where you have your your bosses, the your your gods, your your adults, whatever you want to call them. You have your peers, then you have your tribes among cabins. So whether it's a horror film or just an adventure film. I've always loved that. I'm, I'm definitely going to do a summer camp movie at some point. Yeah,
1: and, and the aspect of, like, you're in charge, and now you've got all these kids, and now there's a freaking murderer, like, killing yeah, everybody. It's it's a, it's a good it's, fishbowl, it's you It's horrifying, know? yeah.
0: And, and uh, Jason's just always been the cool... And I think the Platinum Dooms remake of Jason is very underrated, because to me, uh, it, they basically took the first three films, uh, Friday the 13th, and put them into this remake. And I, I know Michael Bay produced them, it's Platinum Dooms, but... It, they were great films, and uh, Daniel Panamaker is uh, she's from The Flash. She was the f- kind of the final girl.
1: <laughs> well, and they explained the classic trope of how does Jason always catch up to everybody when he's just walking and they're frantically sprinting from him. They he had like a whole tunnel system,
0: which you know I don't know if it needed to be explained, but didn't bother me in the least. I thought it was cool. Yeah, it was fine. I, I guess some of the true older fans are just like the whole supernatural aspect of him just appearing was better and uh i I didn't mind I didn't mind they they made him this Jason in the platinum dooms one was uh more human he was he was definitely in a live jason where if you follow the original series he actually dies in number four doesn't he's not in number five at all it's a it's a doppelganger then number six he's brought back to life frankenstein style and then by number seven he's fighting someone with telekinesis so we kind of jumped the shark at that point but you know he started out alive
1: and at some point or another he gets frozen because they they yeah. in, in space? Yes. Yeah. Well,
0: yeah, the frozen in space, yeah, there is an indeterminate year, I believe, unless they I
1: I, I wasn't like Earth went through an ice age and he got frozen. Well no, it him.
0: was Earth is kind of like it modern day, they're vague about what year it is. So like it maybe it's the not too distant future, but basically they're studying Jason Voorhees for his regenerative abilities, why he could heal so good, why he keeps coming back. That was the story of Jason X. And uh Long story short, he escapes, and the only way for them to stop him is they freeze him cryogenically. Now we jump like 200 years, and a spaceship of students who are on a field trip <laughs> land on Earth, which we no longer live on, and it is a desolate planet, and yeah. find the frozen Jason and dethaw him on the spaceship, and then he goes on a rampage and kills them all. Jason X is highly highly underrated there's yeah. some of the best kills in that one and spoiler when he becomes super jason it's so over the top and stupid and so much fun and also spoiler when he goes into the hollow deck and then he's like they program it to look like the 1980s and you get a whole scene of like a 1980s summer camp and they have the the whole thing jason it's all a hologram it. right oh my god i yeah. just i love friday the 13th i love jason so much I, and I'm pre- oh,
1: sorry, I forget the one comedian, but he had like the best opinion. He's like, the kids in Jason in Jason movies, like they want to die. It's like, they all, like, Mike, ch- 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 Joe, ch- 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 come on, guys, quit screwing around. Ch- ch- I'm going to go take a
0: shower. To be fair, <laughs> they can't hear the. Ch- 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 that is what we hear as an audience. I just love that. But concept. that would be funny if, in a movie, like something like Scary Movie, where they recognize it, they're like, oh, crap, dude, it's dangerous. How do you know? Do you hear that? <laughs> do you hear the music? That's the killer's music. Dude, so Jason has. And, and
1: yeah, a lot of his kills are great. Uh, he has some, like. I love when he folded the person in half with the uh, bed. That, yeah, I forget that which was, one that was. That was Freddy vs. Jason. Was, yeah. I loved that movie so much. Freddy vs. Jason? That was a great movie. It was great soundtrack. Awesome movie.
0: I liked Freddy vs. Jason too. The only thing is I did not like the the non-committal ending. So like, it's because different studios own the different characters and nobody wants their character to lose. So we have Jason quote-unquote win, but then as he comes out of the water, he's holding Freddy's head and Freddy winks to the camera just so you know he didn't actually win. And it's, it's the same thing with every versus. You watch... Uh, what was it, uh, Alien vs. Predator? Guess what? There isn't really a definitive ending at the end of the day because you're like, oh, wow, the Predator won. Yeah! And then it gets killed with a chestburster. So it's like, did the Predator win? We just... It's the, that just annoys me about versus films. Batman v. Superman. Who won that? Nobody. I guess their mom won that. Martha!
1: Yeah, I felt the same way, like, yeah, like, there wasn't a definitive answer, because I remember going in the film with friends who were Freddy fans, and and we would be like, oh, like, making bets, like, oh, who would win?
0: Well, in the trailer, they have the vinyl girl who's like, Freddy vs. Jason, place your bets, which, by the way, was not in the final film. No, it wasn't. But it was in the trailer. I remember that. And also, who's in that movie? Jay from Jane Song. But oh no, they just got cast. you beat me to they it. They just cast a guy who you looked beat exactly to it. like I was, Jay.
1: My joke was gonna be, and then you get Jay from Wish.com. <laughs> exactly, <laughs> dude. Yeah,
0: uh. you beat me.
1: I, I was waiting. That was gonna be my next point. No, yeah, and he, and, and then you get like the whole crazy like stoner worm where the worm takes a bong rip. That yeah, was awesome. <laughs> it
0: was, it was silly. It was 2003 that came out. So we, it was mid high school for us. So it makes sense that that hit, hit hit a, a particular note.
1: Yeah, uh, dude. Yeah. Uh, that was my favorite character for sure.
0: All right. Well, uh, so as we can say, man, Jason, we love him, And if you guys are horror fans, but you're not into the older horror films, give them a shot, man. Check out some of these eighties slashers. You got to remember during the VHS boom, where everyone was just putting things out in video stores, there was a lot of really weird, unique movies that you just don't get today. So give some of those a chance. Probably the first set of titties
1: I ever saw was in a Friday the 13th film. Anyways.
0: Yeah, that's fair. That's fair. (laughs) There's lots of titties. All right, so headline number four. Here we go. Gary
1: Doberman and James Wan are tackling a live-action gargoyles for Disney+. This comes to us from The Hollywood Reporter. Almost 30 years after first appearing in an animated television series... Gargoyles are taking flight once more, this time in live action. The guys behind the reboot are two major names in the creature feature business, Gary Doberman and James Wan. Them, along with the Atomic Monster Company, known for their collaborations on the hit Annabelle horror series, have teamed up to remake the 1990s cartoon as a live action series for Disney+. Plus.
0: Which, honestly, I couldn't be more excited about because that's going to be cool. As long as they yeah. don't do too much CGI. When they say live action, I don't want CGI gargoyles. I hope they do uh, prosthetics.
1: Well, they better do it right, because I know they're going to have an audience. There, People are going to watch this. It's going to stream. It's a great show. Uh, Atomic Monster was one of the companies behind the horror hit, Megan, which I, I really liked. Yeah, it was fun. And is developing a series adaptation of the comic, The Good Asian as well as a feature adaptation of horror video game Dead by Daylight.
0: I didn't play that one, did you?
1: Nope, never even heard of it.
0: Oh, well, I I did hear really good things about it, but fair enough.
1: No, I didn't play that one. There's so many dead games. Uh, Gary Doberman, Will write, executive, produce, and showrun the series. The project is described as being in early development at Disney-branded television, Doverman wrote Annabelle, Annabelle Creation, and Annabelle Comes Home, which were produced by Atomic Monster and are an integral part of Juan's the Conjuring Universe.
0: Yeah, James Wan's Conjuring Universe.
1: I did love the Conjuring. Uh, I love
0: I loved all of them.
1: Uh, I just I really just like the first one. The other ones are okay.
0: Really? Uh, Well, The Devil Made Me Do It I wasn't super big on, but uh, all the spin-offs were good, too. I haven't seen The Nun 2, which just came out, but the first Nun was really good, and tied really in, uh, well into the second uh, Conjuring film.
1: I don't know why I fell off. All right.
0: Uh,
1: <clears throat> uh, I left it, uh, The Conjuring Universe, the highest grossing horror franchise of all time. He was uh, penned Conjuring spin-off, The Nun. Yeah, we just mentioned that.
0: Yeah, I liked it.
1: Uh, Gargoyles was made by Walt Disney Television Animation and aired three seasons from 1994 to 1997. The premise involved gargoyle statues moved from a castle in Scotland to modern-day New York. Once in the Big Apple, the statues awaken from a thousand-year-old spell and take on the mantle of protecting the city, becoming, as the show's narration gravely said, Stone by day, warriors by night. Stone by day,
0: warriors by night. I'm not Keith David, but, you know, you know imagine that's super deep and saucy.
1: Well done. Yeah. The original Gargoyles series was created by Greg Wiseman, came during a time of innovation in series animation, with Gargoyles riding a wave of shows with more complex storylines and darker tones that also included Batman, the animated series, and X-Men. As with those shows, Gargoyles burrowed into the consciousness of a generation of TV watchers who have given it cult status. Previously, Disney did try to develop a Gargoyles in Modern Times feature in 2010 around the same time they made The Sorcerer's Apprentice. Which actually I like that movie.
0: I did too, but it flopped terribly.
1: I know, but it was actually like really good. Yeah. The later disappoint the latter disappointed at the box office, and the project stalled out not too long afterwards.
0: Well, there you go. Yeah. So that makes sense, because that happens a lot of times. Like the uh films will flop and then somehow it affects other films. You know, for instance, the uh, Superman Lives film that Tim Burton was going to do with Nicolas Cage playing Superman. They were like a week away from shooting and suddenly their money got pulled because of a bunch of flops that they related to being like the same content. And then they gave the money to Wild Wild West, which, you know, say what you want about Wild Wild West. I'm just saying I would have liked to see that Superman movie. Yeah, that's right. They did give the money to that. Yeah, there's a whole documentary, uh, listeners of this podcast may or may not know, John Schnepp, the late John Schnepp, did a documentary called The Death of Superman Lives, What Happened? And it's a full-length documentary that just discusses what that movie was uh, and why it didn't ultimately get filmed. It's, it's fun. Kevin Smith is in it. They got the producers in it. A lot of really fun people are in it. Uh, yeah, so check that out if you're interested in that.
1: And Nicolas Cage is the man.
0: Nicolas Cage is the man. The unbearable weight of massive talent was one of the funniest things I've ever seen, where he plays himself as like I don't know, it's it's a weird version of himself. Obviously it's not, it's a character, but it's he plays Nicolas Cage.
1: Yeah, I haven't seen that one. I, I've seen I've seen the meme, obviously.
0: Make your own kind of music.
1: <laughs> it, and then it goes to Pedro Pascal like smiling like all crazy at him.
0: Yeah, it was a fun film. But anyways, back to gargoyles. That that show came out when we were young. We were kids. We were under ten. You know, nineteen ninety seven. I mean, that was like when I was ten. So I remember most about that is when the film, uh, the show first came out. They premiered it with a straight to video film. It could have been in theaters, but I think it was straight to video. And it was uh, a ninety minute pilot essentially and it came with a board game. So it was like a thicker box than this VHS and behind it was a thin board you could you could unfold and at the end of the VHS tape they had a 20 minute <clears throat> kind of like, you know, video accompany to the game that like sets the timer and it's like it's it's a real fun interactive thing. Uh it's actually on the YouTube that is connected to this show if anyone's interested. But anyways, that's what I remember most from it. Oh, and then later on, Kids Kingdom, it's kind of like a Chuck E. Cheese. I got enough tickets to get a Gargoyles board game. So I was a fan, to say the least. I'm going to be honest. I really didn't
1: watch a whole lot of Disney Channel when I was younger. So I, I I remember I remember Gargoyles, but I don't think I was really, I didn't really watch it.
0: Well, I don't think it was uh, exclusively on Disney Channel because I didn't have Disney Channel when I was a kid. And it was in, It must have been in syndication or oh, yeah, something know. because I saw it.
1: Yeah, I have no idea. Like I said, I remember, you know, the gargoyles. Like, I remember all the gargoyle shit, but...
0: You know what else I remember is the toys. They had some excellent toys. For kids' toys back in the day when, you know, we weren't getting these hyper-realistic $100 action figures, they were pretty pretty good.
1: Uh, Like I said, I I think I missed out.
0: (laughs) You did! You missed out. That's alright. I'm excited to uh, see the new gargoyles, and... You know what? I think you were going to like it too because if it's going to be live action, the the mythology, you're going to dig it. From I'm going to watch
1: it for sure. Oh, uh, would watch you it?
0: watch everything on Disney Plus?
1: Yeah, I do. I'm a fan, not going to lie. <laughs> right I on. I think Book of Boba Fett was amazing. That and and it kind of goes with what you said earlier because of that that pretty much flopped. That's why we're really not seeing Boba involved in like very much, which I think is like horrible.
0: Well, you know, unfortunately reactionary things to how an audience you know the studio is reactionary to what the audience likes and doesn't like that's why some characters disappear and some characters suddenly have big roles that's why you know the uh the Kelly Marie Tran in the second Star Wars uh Disney version sorry the what is it the last Jedi she yeah. had a big role and then suddenly Rise of Skywalker comes along and she's no longer has a big role, and it's simply At because all. simply because people didn't like the character, or they were—I I don't want to say they were racist, but either way, something d- didn't rubbed them the wrong way. You know
1: what I mean? It was just a choice of the writers or whoever studio that decided to have her stop Finn from being a hero, and it, it just—it was so anticlimactic that. Mixed in with everything else. Well, just... dude,
0: everything in the Last Jedi was about subverting expectations. You wanted Luke to be an ultimate Jedi, and then he was like, "The Jedi Order needs to end." You want to know who Rey's parents are, and then they end up being nothing. You want you want uh, you know Finn to have this awesome ending, and then Rose screws it up. So that is more to do with Ryan Johnson as a filmmaker. Saying
1: and... "fuck you," JJ. Well, like it wasn't everything... even
0: "fuck you," JJ. It was "fuck you," Star Wars. Like he shouldn't have done a Star Wars movie because he said in interviews repeatedly that he loves subverting expectations. Expectations. Now, to be clear, Ryan Johnson is a wonderful filmmaker. He did a great film called Brick with Jason Gordon Lovett, or Joseph Gordon Lovett, uh, one of his first films that was awesome. He does the Knives Out movies, which uh, a lot of people love, the first one more than the second, but I'm not talking about him as a filmmaker. He but, killed it on
1: in, in, uh, star, uh, star Trek.
0: But no, you're what? I'm not talking about J.J. Abrams. I'm talking about oh, Ryan Johnson. Oh, my bad. So, anyways, the point is Ryan Johnson. He was just not right for Star Wars. I'll, and, I'll
1: agree you know, with that.
0: Yeah. And J.J. Abrams did great in the first uh, the first Star Wars. And when it came to Rise of Skywalker, at, by that point, there were so many people pulling strings. I don't know how much of that was his fault and how much of that was him trying to course correct from what Ryan Johnson did and how much of that was implemented by the studio. I mean, I have to imagine as a writer, he died a little inside when he had to write the line, somehow Palpatine has returned.
1: And you've seen, I've seen so many interviews with all those actors and they they all are disappointed in how it turned out. I feel bad for them.
0: I mean, uh, ultimately, I think that's why Ray is, uh, who knows if it's actually going to happen, but why they're doing a Ray movie that takes place about 10 years later that's supposed to come out in like 2027 or whatever. So, you know, if Daisy Ridley does that film, it could do a lot of fun to do what they should have done with Luke, with a passing of the torch when it comes to Jedi teachings.
1: And I'm pretty sure that uh I know the actor who played Finn, I believe he said that he does not intend on returning for his no. character, so we'll No, see. uh
0: no he's really butthurt. And he should be. They treated him like crap, and it wasn't, you know I don't wanna say they like anyone in particular, but things didn't go his way. They didn't go the way they were presented to him. The story that he was uh expecting and promised is not what his character ultimately did. You know, it's rough. It's he should rough. Have, he
1: should have been a Jedi. He should have gotten with Rey.
0: They clearly set it up to be all that way, yeah.
1: Yeah, I'm sorry. I didn't mean to get on this tangent, but hey. Ryan,
0: I love you, but it always turns to Star Wars with you, and that's okay because <laughs> it's the end of the show and we're done with topics. That's so, what I figured. We so, didn't have
1: a Chucky episode this week, so I figured talk a little on that.
0: Yeah, so uh, once again, guys, we are not going to be reviewing Chucky anymore because of the placement of their episodes kind yep. of seems silly. Because but it's
1: still an awesome show and you should check it out.
0: Totally. Um. But, so I guess uh that'll be it for today, you know, this week's episode of Earthly Entertainment. That sounds good to me. Uh we uh we look forward to next week. Please join
1: us. Like I said, always uh message us on Facebook. It's probably the best way to get a hold of us. Just go ahead, you can message the page or or me and Joe if you're friends with us on there and if you got anything you want us to cover or any questions or anything like that, we'd love to hear from you. And uh yeah, like Joe said, next week We're going to do, the game will be Hocus Pocus, and it will be half first one, half the second one, so we'll see how I do, because I don't remember a goddamn thing about the second one.
0: Well, you still have the ability, (laughs) you have a whole week to watch it, so that's kind of on you for that one.
1: It's totally on me, and we'll see. We all know how well I procrastinate. yes,
0: yes. Yes. (laughs) Uh, So yeah, a couple things. Uh, If you enjoy this podcast, please check out Tattered Tales. It's another podcast we do, uh, and it is, long story short, an anthology show, kind of like Twilight Zone or Black Mirror. It is a self-contained episode. Each episode is a real fun story, and some of them are funny, some of them are sci-fi, some of them are horror. Tattered Tales, anywhere you can get your podcasts. And uh, if you're in Dearborn, Michigan, go to Green Brain Comics.
1: Go to green, green Brain
0: Comics. Haha! So yeah, that's it.